What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am in the house today with Mike Bishop. He is a syndication professional who specializes in raising capital and educating investors in a niche market. With over 22 projects valued at more than $700 million worth of experience under his belt, he has dealt in multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, and industrial. He helps busy professionals of all types, including those in medicine, real estate, art, education, high-tech, consulting, law, Pretty much everything looks like to me, entrepreneurship and business ownership. Passively invest in commercial and real estate. Michael discovered the world of syndication on his own personal journey to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And after realizing the incredible wealth building potential it held, was determined to share the syndication investment opportunities with the world. Michael, welcome to the Woody Made Up Show. Thank you. Great to have you, man. Thanks. Appreciate it, Mike. Hey, by the way, where are you located, man? I am in the Chicago suburbs of Indiana. So okay. if you look at Lake Michigan, the southernmost tip of Lake Michigan, pretty much right there. Awesome, man. So you like cold weather? Uh, no, I don't like it. I actually just relocated back from Austin. I grew up here, came back for family. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, Maryland for family because uh, I hate the wintertime. The weather is just not me. Like I'm tan now because it's summer and I love, <laughs> I love the sun. I love being outside when it's warm. So uh, yeah, I get it, man. So sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, right? Yep. Yep. We start the show every time the same way. We ask this question right here. It's written on the wall in case you forget right now that I'm asking you it. Mike, what are you made of? Mike, man, I'm made of hard work, persistence, determination, grit, and most importantly, my tribe, personal growth, and mindset. And, and now when you say all that, you said your tribe, is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. So explain that a little deeper for us. It just means the people that are important to me, you know, the people that I hold dear and the people that I put above everything. So my wife and my child come first, obviously, but all of my other really close family and my friends that I consider family. So the people that, you know, shit went down, pardon my French. Um, those are the people I'd lean on and I hope they do the same. Awesome. Love it, man. So look, we understand that you're into investing and all that. Take us back before you got into all this and got on this journey of wanting you know, financial freedom because I think a lot of us go through that and we don't always know what we know now early enough as far as I'm concerned. Like, we feel like, I feel like I wish you know, there's times now I can't change anything, but I can only teach my kids and the younger kids that hang around me that like what financial freedom means and, and financial literacy. But where did, where did this all start? Like, take us back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, for me, it started as far back as I can remember. I don't know what it was in me as a kid. It must have been something I was exposed to from my family and the people around me. But as far back as I can remember, I've been interested in personal finance and investing and retirement and, you know, growing your money and wealth. But the syndication world really kicked off when uh, I had recently graduated college. I moved to Austin. I was working in tech and you know, I met a coworker who was involved in the, the real estate space, but he did things um, kind of more traditional route, if you will, which is what I consider to be more traditional single family, small multis. And you know, I kind of learned from him for a couple of weeks, months, like 
what it really took to get into that. And it, it started helping me realize the financial freedom and wealth building potential of real estate. So that's when I really got into and, and really developed a passion for real estate. And I kind of went that route myself at first. Um, having recently moved to Austin, I saw how awesome of a market it was. So 10 months after graduating school, I bought a house in Austin with the intention of making it a rental. But it didn't take me very long to realize that that early in my career and in that hot of a market, I didn't have the capital or the wherewithal, honestly, to span that the way that I wanted it to or to grow it the way that I wanted to. So that's when I started looking into other avenues of real estate and kind of talking with anybody who would talk with me, offering coffee, lunch for anybody who would meet. And I ran into my now mentor who is in the syndication space. And you know, as we got to talking about it and as I got to learn about it, I realized that it was just this perfect mesh of my newfound passion for real estate and my longstanding passion for personal finance and investing and wealth building. Uh, and it didn't take me long to determine like, this is, this is what I got to do. I got to get into this by whatever means necessary. It was pretty shortly after that, that I formed my business. A couple months later after the formation of the business, I did my first deal. So that's kind of the backstory of how I got into this. Well, and to, before we get into more real estate, what did you do in tech? So I actually still am in tech. Uh, I do both. I kind of call it like my uh, daylighting, if you will. <laughs> you know, My W-2 job, nine to five. And then I, I kind of hustle on the business in the morning before work, in the evenings, and on the weekends. But what I do in tech is uh, I start off as a system administrator. And then I, from there, a Linux system administrator for those who are familiar. And then from there, I went into Linux, more Linux engineering. So as opposed to being operations, keeping the lights on type of role, I went into more of a proactive, optimized systems type of role. And then from there, I transitioned into um, a site reliability engineer where I'm at now. And I actually started there in operations as well. Whereas, you know, we're incident management, keeping the lights on, minimizing impact to customers. And now I've transitioned again, kind of the same pathway into a more resilience focus, like how do we make our systems more optimized and available for customers? So that's kind of what I do. Gotcha. Okay. So then, and then, and so you got into real estate and when you formed your company, like one of the main things people stop and they don't go forward because they're like, well, how can I start in real estate if I don't have any capital? One. And if I want to get into syndication, like who's going to trust me? Because I've never done a deal before. Like, can you take us through that thought process that you had as you were going through it? Obviously, you have mentors, but still, like, you still have to overcome that self defeating talk thinking. And then, how did you get into someone where they trusted you to start investing with you? Yeah, 100%. So, you said, like, how do I get into it without capital? That was my problem, too, honestly. I just mentioned that it wasn't going to scale the way that I wanted to with the single families and small multis. So, instead of saying, this is, you know, I can't do this. I don't have enough money. I don't have the capital to do it. I just determined there's other ways to do this and I'm going to figure out what those are. Uh, and then in terms of syndication, you're absolutely right. Like I'm, I'm a young guy at the time I was 25 maybe. And a lot of people in the syndication space, um, for those familiar, who are familiar and for those who aren't for that matter are not that young. You know, they're, they're not old by any means, but they're not, most of them are not 25. Mm -hmm. So my problem was where's my credit, credibility come from? I haven't done a whole lot of real estate. And frankly, that, that kind of um, goes into like the imposter syndrome. If anybody's ever suffered from that, it's a, it's a very real and debilitating thing. Like, you know, I don't belong here or how are people going to trust me? I don't have the experience I need. And really, you just kind of work through that and tell yourself, you know, everybody started in, in a certain spot. And if, you know, I was looking at people doing what I wanted to do who were inspiring me, and I just had to start telling myself the story that if they can do it, I can do it too, you know? So I just kind of pushed through that. And I started with my close network, people who I kind of had a rapport with outside of real estate already and started helping them get into the space. And then that kind of grew organically from referrals to, you know, starting to build kind of a thought leadership process 
or platform that is. And that kind of goes into the imposter syndrome piece of it too, is if you don't think that you have the credibility or the experience, one way to build that credibility and experience is to build a thought leadership platform. And what I mean by that is kind of positioning yourself as an expert in the space. So I did blogs. I participated on different forums for real estate. I reached out to people who I could tell needed help and just offered my help, you know, not expecting anything back. Um, so I just really kind of started to expand my network that way. Yeah. And so did you have a podcast, by the way? No, I've, I have not done a podcast, never hosted one myself. And this is kind of the first time I've gone on cycles of being guest on podcasts, honestly. So. Awesome. We'll wait till you see what this does because this will change your life, by the way. So I just so you know, I've done 700 total podcasts with my show oh, wow. and being on others in the last three and a half years. So it's absolutely changed everything, changed my life, gave me opportunities I never thought possible, credibility, like just like you're talking about the blog and being a thought leader. The reason that's important, by the way, is if somebody Googles your name, when you go to ask them for money, they Google your name, they see you all over the place. Right. You, and you want to try to create what you're talking about. And correct me if I'm wrong is omnipresence. Like yep. you want to create omnipresence. And that way, when somebody does that doesn't know you runs into you, if they, which most people do look, they Google people, right? They'll Google and see what, see who does, who does this person when that pops up that you're writing blogs and, and have all this information and that knowledge. I mean, that up levels you big time, gives you altitude, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and so, and so how long did it take you to start? Like what, what happened first when you started your business? What, what was the first thing that you did? Like, did you start raising money? Did you have it, like sell the property that you had and made some capital? Like, where did what, what all transpired in the beginning? Take, and by the way, take I us also through, take us also through like your thought process and where you thinking like, man, this is going to be hard or like all the stuff that goes on with early stage, you know, startup stuff. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I kept the property I had because we had moved into it. My then girlfriend, now wife at the time, had moved into it. Our intention was to live for a year or two and then turned into a rental, which. We know it didn't happen. When I started the business, though, like I said, I, I had a pretty small network. A lot of people who do what I do, you know, you'll see that they have a pretty large network of high income earners or high net worth individuals that they can kind of tap into to get them started on this process. I didn't have that. You know, I come from a background of blue collar workers. No, nope, not a ton of struggle or anything. I mean, we didn't live in poverty, but nobody was making the kind of money that was necessary for investments in this space. So my network was really small. I kind of sat down. I made a list of everybody I possibly knew who could benefit from this or how I can help them in this space. And it, it was not big. So I knew that I had my work cut out for me. And pretty much every step of the way, there was a voice in my head questioning me or questioning my ability to do this or my credibility, like I mentioned. And it was that, that was kind of the struggle to fight through that. Um, I did a lot of work on like introspective, introspective and like mindset, personal growth, how you talk to yourself, the power of your subconscious mind, those types of things. And I think that really helped me through it because like I said, every step of the way, I was like, do I know how to do this? Like, Are people going to trust what I'm saying? Do I have the right experience to, to be able to help the people that I, that in the way that I want to? So it certainly wasn't like right out of the gates, everything was all, all sunshine. That, that's not how it was at all. It was, um, it was a lot of persistence and growth and constantly having to talk your thing, your, yourself through some of those things. And also, like, did you ever question the speed that you at which you were getting results? A hundred percent, all the time. Like, like, like impatience think, and yeah, impatience and imposter syndrome again. Like, I think I, I've improved drastically since I started this, in this business in the beginning of 2018. Well, technically, I formatted my my LLC in late 2017, first deal in 2018, and I I wouldn't even recognize myself from that time if I met myself now. But that's not to say that. I don't struggle with some of those things still. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. think um, there's very many people in the world who don't struggle with those things a little bit here and there, even if they've done 
years and years and hours, hundreds of hours of inner work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it still pops up from time to time. And I question the speed and the velocity at which I'm moving. And I also put a lot of pressure on myself for performing and achieving goals and accomplishment, you know, accomplishing things that I want to accomplish. So that's kind of always in the back of my mind, like, am I moving at the pace that I want to, but uh, more present and more powerful that is than that is um, kind of the resilience that I've built over years of practice with meditations and mindset and understanding the kind of voices and the, the saboteurs, if you will, that are in my head and how they affect me daily. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Well, speaking of meditation, like to take us through, like what kind of meditation do you do? Because I, I meditate too. And uh, like what yeah. has worked for you or what, you know, what do you lean on? Yeah, I like to, there's a couple of things I like to do. I like to do either guided meditations. And there's a couple of people that I really like for that. Uh, Michael Seely is one of them. Dr. Joe Dispenza does a couple that I really like. But when I'm not doing a guided meditation, I like to incorporate um, nature because I'm a big believer in positive energy and reconnecting with earth and grounding yourself. Part of the reason why I, I bought a bunch of land when I moved back closer to family. Uh, and I like to go outside and just kind of try to silence my mind and listen to nature and let it connect that way. The wind, uh, one of the big things I do is like, I like to shut down and try to hear every single noise that I can possibly hear in nature. And somehow that kind of helps me connect with myself and realize that positive energy flowing through me. And then another thing I like to do is I like to try to meditate myself to sleep, if you will. And when I'm doing that, it's, uh, it's not guided by myself. It's not the nature one either, but it's, uh, that's when I do kind of manifestation, if you will, yeah. trying to put my intentions out in the world and what I intend to do, how I intend to help people, what I intend to accomplish for myself and my family. So those are kind of the various um, ways I like to meditate. I'm not, I'm not a meditation professional by any means. Right. right. Um, no. And I, I realize that I have room to grow and room to work on, but I think that's always the case for anybody. If you, I think if you ever say, I'm too good at that and I don't need to practice, then you need some self-reflection. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. You know, I'm a, I'm a really spiritual person. And uh, when I meditate, I like to, you know, a lot of people pray. And when they pray, they do it as a, um, a little more of a routine. And yep. I noticed myself falling into that in the past. And I was like, you know what? This is not the right way to do this. Because if you're really praying and you believe in a God and, and you're, you're praying, you should connect and take it seriously and get deep with it. Like there shouldn't be a, you know, uh, you know, when you pass someone on the street, you say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and they say, good. How you doing? Yeah. And they say, good. And then that's it. And that's the chance. Like that shouldn't be prayer. So meditation yep. for me has helped me with manifestation and imagination, creativity, calm, less stress and anxiety. But more importantly, it's, it's allowed me to get into a deeper place with God and connect. And, and I really, it's, it's been, I just wish I would have known about it sooner that it works like that. And, uh, but yeah, so that's why I asked you the question, man. Thanks for sharing that. So talk to us about these 22 projects, man. Like, so where did, where did you start getting some traction and, and um, momentum? I honestly feel like I'm getting traction and momentum every day now at this point. Early on, it was a little bit of a struggle with the small network, like I said, but it just start, kind of started to grow organically as I continued to work on my, my thought leadership platform. And there's ups and downs, you know, um, maybe one deal is bigger, more successful than the next. Like recently, there's been kind of some turmoil in the market, some uncertainty with interest rates. So maybe interest by investors, they're a little bit scared. They're a little bit less risk averse. 
and they, they kind of want to hold on to cash, you know, that's fine. So there's a lot of ups and downs, I think, as there are with, with most. But in general, all of our 22 deals have done very well. Um, we've had a couple that struggled, if you will. But even when I say struggled, those ultimately ended up, you know, performing pretty well. And I, you mentioned it in my intro that I have experience in the multifamily self-storage and mobile home park space. That is very true. But with the caveat that we focus primarily on multifamily, there's a bunch of different reasons for that. But it, you know, and we, um, we focus on big markets or tertiary markets for those big markets. So, you know, when I say we look at Dallas, we might also be looking at Richardson, Fort Worth, uh, you know, some of the, some of the sub markets of that big market. So yeah, man, I mean, it's been, it's been a ride and I'm super thrilled to have seen as of recently, we've been exiting a lot of deals and performed pretty well for investors, even through, you know, something like COVID where there was a lot of uncertainty in the market and people were very nervous on their investments and we, we came through, you know. Yeah. So, so what was your first deal that you got? And, and like, how did, like, what well, things that go through my mind is like when you're first starting out too, like I'm competing with people like, you know, Grant Cardone, Blackstone, like all these different high end syndications. Like, why would they give me the deal? You know, like, what was your first deal? And did you have to compete with anyone big? Yeah. So, the way that my business actually works, just to clarify for, for the folks listening in and for you, um, I, I help on the, so I'm not the operator. Grant Cardone and his company would be considered the operator. What yeah. I mean by that is they actually go out, they acquire the asset, they secure the loan, they perform you know, every single piece of due diligence, they operate, they might have a, a property management group or they partner with a property management group to sustain daily operations of the property. They, they do all of that stuff. What I do is I partner with those folks. So we have about 11 partners at this point and I help them raise capital and I help them with some of the due diligence and I help them with investor relations. So by doing that, I not only bring capital to the table and let help them close on these deals, but we also take off the investor relations piece from the table for these operators. And that's not to say they don't have that on their own because they are out mm-hmm. there raising their own money, their own network. But when you look at a deal on the scale of some of these deals that we're doing worth tens of millions of dollars, that might be several hundred investors in these deals to make them happen. So you can see how it pretty quickly might become overwhelming or take these operators away from their daily responsibilities of making this a performing asset. Right. So it helps us, it helps them, and it helps investors because now you have one point of contact and you have somebody who's dedicated to you and not worried about operations, managing their property team, managing their, managing their construction management team, managing the loan, all these different avenues. You know, I get to be your point of contact and I'm right there for you. And gotcha, I, gotcha. And directly into the operator. And how's, so how's the business? How's, say, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you when I'm done. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, so when you say, did I have to compete me directly, not necessarily competing with those like Grant Cardone's or their big institutional money or things, but our operators sure are. And what's important to keep in mind there is that our operators stick to their underwriting model and under model, or their criteria and not flex just to win a deal because somebody's outbidding them, You know, especially in a really hot market like commercial real estate has been for the last couple of years. And you see folks overpaying just to win a deal. And when we decide to partner with operators, we really want them to be strict in their criteria, stick to their guns. And we'd rather them pass on 100 deals and win the next one than win every the, the deal one. just for the sake of, yeah. of you know, quantity. And, and how's the business model work? Like the way you're structured doing that? Like, how do you make money? Yeah, we make money with the general partner. So like it, as an investor, um, say you came to invest with me, and hey, Mike, I want to invest $50,000 in this Dallas apartment complex. 
no fees up front to me. You're not paying like a, a management fee. Or, oh, there is a management fee baked into the to the model, but nothing yeah. coming out of the investor pocket. It's just that money. And then, you know, you can get your cash flow and you can get your equity on the back end. And we participate with the general partner. So we make a little bit of money up front and then just kind of for our time and our network, which is a, is a small portion of it. And then we make money on the back end if the deal performs. So like most of our compensation is directly tied to the performance of the deal. So alignment with investors. Gotcha. So going forward, like what is your, what is your focus is like continue on with this thought leadership and then building your community, right. And building your network. Is that the, that's the, that's the keys to the castle for you, right? Bigger network. That's the focus for me. Yeah, man. I just want to help as many people as I can in this space. Cause it's a, I could talk all day about how I think it's unfair that these are, uh, these are pretty limited to folks. Like you have to have a certain income level. You have to have a certain net worth level, kind of exploring some avenues to maybe make this asset class um, more accessible to folks who don't meet that criteria. That, that's a conversation for another time. I haven't quite vetted all that stuff yet, but my primary goal is just to get this in front of people and help them realize that there's other things to do other than just the stock market or a super active version of real estate where you have to buy small multi and, uh, and single families and manage them yourself or short-term rentals where... Um, in my opinion, the fees are just getting astronomical because all of these various companies and uh, management platforms are starting to realize, like they, you know, they've, they've been realizing that, hey, this is a kind of a huge market. We can kind of do what we want, and that's also not all that passive. So when I say I want to help people and expose people to this, it's more so for like kind of the working busy professional who they want alternative investment opportunities and they want investment opportunities that are going to perform for them and. They want investment opportunities that don't have a direct positive correlation with your traditional asset classes like the stock market. And they, they, want, it, they want all this without having to actually manage it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people that I work with already work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and they don't have time for this stuff. And what we do is just about as passive as it gets. So gotcha. the more people I can help, the, the more happy I'll be. Gotcha. So what does your thought leadership consist of besides blogs and all that? Like, do you have uh, groups that you guys meet with every so often? Like, like Zoom calls or Google Meets or live events or how do how do you build this network? Yeah, I mean, right now for me, if I'm being honest, past year or two I haven't really done as much as I know I can do. I have a two year old boy, so I've kind of been focused on that. But what I have done is I've done blogs, I've participated in forums, and I, I I'm on the phone with investors a lot. I offer myself as a resource to people, even if they don't plan to invest directly with me, because I mean it when I say that I'm in this to help people. So I do that pretty often. I talk with folks weekly, almost daily. And then now, you know, as things are starting to settle down and he's a toddler and he has a little bit more independence, I, I'm doing my, you know, I'm, I'm starting this podcast platform. I'm also looking at, like I said, some avenues to help folks who don't have the exposure to these deals and potentially looking into creating a platform for folks like us and like people that I'm targeting to help and network with each other. Again, more to come on that in a future at a future time. I don't have all the details ironed out, but the idea is So wait a minute, this a bigger, is the vision. This is the vision, right? Like this is what you're got your sights set yeah. on. The vision is a bigger, more accessible mastermind for passive investors. So I think a lot of times you you hear of masterminds, you're like, well, I can't afford to get into that, or it's super exclusive, or there's a lot of barriers to entry, or they want you to have certain experiences. I kind of want to knock all those walls down. Gotcha. All right, cool. So I love it, man. I love what you're doing because you're trying to help just, you know, not necessarily the little guy, but the guy that doesn't have time or doesn't feel, you know, educated enough or, you know, insecure as far as the real estate world goes. And, you know, you you know, as well as I do, multifamily is, is a great, great way to put your money and build wealth. So 
Mike, I appreciate what you're doing, man. If there's anything I can ever do to help you out, I'm here. I do have something that I want to show you at some point. It's a platform that we're using to get people to take action and learn through taking action rather than sitting and just observing a course. And I want to share that with you because it could probably do some really, really good things for you and your and your uh, your network. So I'll share that with you later. But but dude, any final words? How can people get in touch with you or learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'd love to look at that platform. I'm a big believer in analysis paralysis. Like, you know, uh, goals without actions are just a dream in my mind. So anything we can do to help people kind of take that first step, whether it's an active role like I did or whether it's a passive role. So very happy to talk about that in the future. Uh, in terms of, you know, getting in contact with me or if you think that, you know, there's a way that I can help you out, I'm, I'm happy to. Again, it's, I, I don't have the expectation going into it that you make an investment with me or work with one of our partners. I generally or genuinely am here to help however I can. So you can just go to my website, www.bishopinvestinggroup.com and all my contact information is there, man. So I have my email on there. You can sign up for my list, if you will, which would basically just give you access to deals in a newsletter. I don't spam anybody. And uh, has uh, other contact information on there too, where you can kind of schedule a call with me. So Awesome. Awesome. Mike, thanks so much for joining us here today on the What Are You Made Of show. Appreciate you being here, guests, and then also the audience. I appreciate all of you. I love all of you. I'm thankful for your support, your viewer listenership. Keep coming back. Go downstairs to the uh, down section there, put a comment, rate us. And also, if you like to watch these, you can see our pretty faces on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Mike C. Rocks Rocko. Go check it out and you can watch these episodes. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike crock.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me